Welcome to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast, a show featuring conversations with people living with cancer, caregivers, survivors, loved ones, and the bereaved. Each month, we pull back the curtain on the cancer experience and share real takes on topics like dating after a diagnosis, dealing with grief and what treatment is actually like. This podcast is produced by Cancer Care, the leading national organization providing free professional support services to anyone affected by cancer. Today we have Michelle here. She's a a cancer patient and she's just here to talk a little about her experiences. So Michelle, let's just jump right in. You can uh, tell us as little or as much as you'd like about the experience you've had so far. Sure. Um, So I guess uh, my name is Michelle, I'm 35. Um, At 32, I was diagnosed with stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, here in New York City, I did six months of very kind of the standard form of treatment called ABVD um, and did really well on that treatment and was already in remission about halfway through my treatment, but still continued to do the full six months, um, was given a green light to go ahead um, and kind of just, yeah, given a really great prognosis, less than 1% chance of relapse, 5%, sorry. Um, and continued forward. Um, some other things in between happened just personally, but at six months uh, after that last scan, it turned out that I had relapsed. So then I um, decided to go into a clinical trial uh, using immunotherapy to get me to sort of the next stage of what you have to do typically when you relapse with a blood cancer, which is a stem cell transplant. So I did the immunotherapy, which went really well. And then um, I did about five weeks of radiation and then went into an autologous stem cell transplant. And this was in August of 2017. And I've been in remission ever since. Wow. Well, firstly, congratulations on your remission. Thank you. So let's let's start at the beginning. So when you first got that call that you had been found to have this blood cancer, what was that like for you? Um, it was definitely a shock, um, to everything, emotionally, physically, everything. Um, and honestly, at the beginning, I really felt like it was a weird joke or that somebody was playing on me. Um, and I have to explain too, I had very few symptoms, um, especially at the time before knowing more about Hodgkin's lymphoma. I didn't realize that some of the things I was experiencing were symptoms of the cancer. Um, so it really felt like, the rug had been kind of pulled from underneath. Um, So it was definitely a shock uh, to really understand it. I was also a little bit naive at the time, to be honest. I had heard of lymphoma, I'd heard of Hodgkin's, but I didn't necessarily know what that meant or even exactly what kind of cancer that was. Um, So yeah, I would say at the beginning, it was definitely a shock. Um, And it kind of changed a lot of plans for me because I was about to move abroad, um, which was one of the reasons why I found out that I had this in the first place. Wow, you had to you had to cancel a whole move abroad, huh? Yeah, it was literally within uh, like two weeks of my movers showing up. So, oh goodness, wow! What was it like to have to make the decision to to put this to to cancel or put this move on hold altogether? Um, it was disappointing. Um, I 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was something I was really looking forward to. I'd kind of worked for for a couple of years, I would say. Um, so, to make a long story short, I was moving to London with my company, um, and everything had fallen into place really perfectly. Um, and the reason I even went to the doctor in the first place was because I was about to cancel my health insurance here in the U.S. Uh, because in the U.K. you have a different system. Um, and I just wanted to be kind of smart and just make sure everything was good before I cancel my entire insurance. Um, and that's sort of how that happened. So, um, it was disappointing, but I was very lucky to have a very supportive, um, not only personal support system, but also my employer was incredibly supportive. So we literally just put it on hold for about six months. And then after that, I was able to take you know, just kind of move forward and, and move to London and do all of that. So um, they literally just kept everything on hold for me, which was really, um, I'm very thankful for that. Wow. Uh, it's amazing. You did actually get to go to London. I did. <laughs> yes. So were you in London when you found out about the remission, the recurrence rather? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was, again, very lucky uh, here that I had a great doctor. I was at NYU initially, and um, he knew that I was planning to move to London and knew kind of my timeline and really worked towards that and really made me feel very confident about still going. Um, and he had connected me with a doctor in London. And um, in the UK, they have a different uh, health system where it's the NHS, so it's a national system, um, and you can't necessarily pick and choose like you can hear um, sometimes. Uh, so it was definitely a um, kind of a long shot to be able to be seen by this doctor, but she accepted me right away. Um, and so she took over my kind of post-cancer treatment, which is tests and scans and all of that. And so at the three-month mark, um, which was the first test, is just a blood test, um, and everything looked great. And she said, I have nothing to worry about. Everything's wonderful. And then at the six-month mark is when I had my initial, they do a PET scan there at six months. And um, to everyone's shock and disbelief, it showed up. Um, so it was definitely an emotional time. But yeah, even the doctor there was, was uh, pretty surprised at what she was seeing. Wow. So when you even have the doctor having this reaction of utter disbelief and shock, how did that affect how you reacted? Um, honestly, it was probably emotionally more difficult for me to handle than the first time I was diagnosed. I think the first time I definitely was in a shock mode, um, but I didn't really know what I was getting myself into or what to expect necessarily. And I just sort of went into kind of do mode as I normally do. Um, and the second time around, it felt uh, worse for some reason. And I remember just bawling uh, when I found out. And that's not normally a very common reaction of mine. And even the, the doctor was crying. She had tears in her eyes. Um, so it was, yeah, it was definitely more surprising and shocking. And now I was on a much different kind of a timeline because I had to make decisions very quickly, um, including do I stay in London? Do I come back to New York? What do I do? Um, what type of treatment should I look towards? So a lot of, a lot of uh, important decision had to be made in a very short amount of time, but she was also great and very supportive. So how did yeah. you, how did you cope with um, going through this? Not once, but twice. Did you have, did you reach out to any support? Um, 
Initially, no. Initially, I was just focused on what should I do treatment-wise, and then also should I stay in the UK? Should I come back to New York? Where are the best options? And I went into that kind of overdrive mode um, into just planning and getting second, third, fourth opinions wherever I could. Um, Once the dust settled and I decided to come back to New York due to this uh, clinical trial that I was able to get into at Sloan Kettering, then I'd actually been connected through a coworker of mine where I work here in New York uh, who told me about cancer care. And honestly, that was the first kind of exposure to um, networking, not networking because that sounds weird, but to a um, support group uh, as well as a one-on-one counselor that I had here that were, were so beneficial. Um, but I would say that was sort of the first time that I was able to speak to people who had gone through very similar um, situations who had relapsed. But before that, I honestly, in within my kind of inner circle or immediate friends and family, luckily, I didn't know anybody who had been through that. And do you think that talking to these other survivors and to the counselor, do you think that changed how you coped with it or how you approached your cancer experience? For sure. It was so helpful um, to a point that I never realized how beneficial it could really be um, because all of a sudden you sort of immediately click with these people on a different level that nobody else would be able to understand or relate to. Um, And so it was, yeah, just super helpful just to kind of have a safe space to vent and and talk things through. And a lot of the uh, people that were in the group are still my friends today. And they also, some of our doctors even overlapped or hospitals overlapped. So um, it was useful to just have that kind of immediate group of, of friends that you can count on and, and yeah, just talk to and people who knew what you were talking about. That's great. That's great. Just having that, having that foundation of people who understand and can talk you through these moments with that kind of informed perspective. Yes. That's so powerful and just makes this whole process maybe easier isn't the right word, but maybe smoother. Yeah, it just makes you feel, um, I think, less alone, if that makes sense. I think especially with young adults, um, it's not as, you know, cancer is not as common. It's getting more common, unfortunately, Uh, but it's not something that we see every day or, you know, in most people's sort of circle of friends, you hopefully don't experience that, that you have anyone that you know that's in your same age group that gets sick. Um, So having that connection with people who 100% knew what you were going through and knew what emotions you had either been through or were about to go through um, was really powerful, really helpful. How would you say that now that you've been in remission for a while, how would you say cancer fits into your life now? Um. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think cancer doesn't just end when you go into remission. Um, unfortunately, it's something that you will live with forever, whether it's you only had to deal with it once or relapsed like me. Um, I think it's something that every cancer patient, I would imagine, would say similarly that it's something that's sort of like a, 
I don't want to say necessarily a dark cloud, but it's something that's always there. Um, and for me, it's definitely still a big part of my life. It's less uh, prevalent in my thoughts as it used to be, um, but it has moments where it'll kind of bubble up again. It's sort of like a boiling pot of water that either simmers or bubbles up. Um, and I think, you know, certain times when you get closer to tests or scans is when that anxiety comes back and that real fear of potential relapse um, or any time that you have, you know, just a minor thing that could potentially be a symptom, your mind goes down this really scary hole of, oh my gosh, I'm totally relapsing. This is crazy. I need to talk to my doctor or whatnot. So unfortunately, that fear never really goes away, but it does get better at times. Um, it's just learning how to kind of balance it, I guess. So you mentioned that um, your workplace was actually quite supportive throughout this process. What was the process of you disclosing to them that you had this diagnosis and how did that go? How did that feel? Um, yeah. So first of all, I am super, super lucky um, with my workplace being that supportive. So as I mentioned, we've unfortunately had other people who've been sick, but I think even if I was the first one, I would have had a similar response from them. Um, and I realized that that's quite unique. Um, having you know met other people who've been in similar situations, that is not always the case that your workplace is that supportive. Um, so honestly, when I first found out that I was, when I was diagnosed back in 2016, um, I think my workplace was probably my first phone call, um, as crazy <laughs> as that sounds. Um, but it was essentially the, so my company, I'm in the hotel business, um, and our company is not massive. Um, it probably has worldwide maybe around a thousand employees. Um, and I've been with a company for really, uh, for quite a long time from their sort of infant stage. So I have a very good relationship with the founders of the company. So I called the COO of the company, he's the number two, um, who is the one who really pushed for me to get to London and really helped organize um, my job over there. And he was my first phone call and I called him and I think that's when I first started to tear up. Um, and it first started to sink in and I just said, I don't even know what to say. I was embarrassed about it um, and definitely felt a little bit of shame to say, this just happened. I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. Um, and he cut me off. He said, first of all, stop saying that you're sorry. Like this sucks. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Um, but we will be here. I'm going to talk to the team where we will hold everything for you. Like this should be the last thing that you're worried about. Figure out what you need to do to get yourself healthy, but we're here for you no matter what. Um, and that was just hearing that not only because of his position, but knowing that I didn't really have to focus on work and worry about it um, was a huge relief because that allowed me to really put my sort of energy in my brain towards getting healthy rather than um, freaking out about work and how to take care of my health insurance and how to pay the bills and will my job still be there after all of this. Um, that was a huge help. Additionally, because they were able to really just freeze my job and hold everything for me, it was a great motivator to get through the first course of treatment to say this is sort of dangling the carrot at the end of treatment. I still get to go. I still get to live my life and do this really fun project with them. So um, I was super lucky. And I think with anybody going through something like this, I would say 
don't be worried about speaking up. I think most people want to help. They don't know how to help. So tell them what you need and hopefully you'll have a positive response. Um, and that there are a lot of resources, including cancer care, not just because I'm doing this interview with you guys, but I think that there are a lot of resources out there that can help guide you into making the right decision and figuring out how to get more support and what sort of the legalities are around that. So you'd mentioned earlier um, feeling like shame around having your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering the kind of feelings that having cancer as a young person has brought up versus maybe how other people expect you to feel or expect you to act around it. Yeah. Um, So when I was first diagnosed, I definitely felt almost embarrassed uh, to let people know that this is what I was going through. And I know that sounds really weird. Um, But I think for me, I've always been a very independent person. I started working really young. I was always passionate about what I did um, and honestly always pretty healthy um, and health conscious. So, you know, I'd eat organic and not party too much, party a little bit, but not like crazy amounts, Um, didn't smoke. You know, I was generally a healthy person. Um, And... I don't know, to be, to have to admit to your friends, like not only was I supposed to do something really exciting and, um, you know, move to London and do something really fun, but all of a sudden I show up not only sick, but with cancer, it was almost like I felt embarrassed of how did I let myself get cancer and how did I ignore my body so much to not realize that this was going on this entire time. Um, That was yeah, strangely, I felt shame over that. Um, And then having to tell my company, my work, who have been, again, so great with me to say, oops, I got a little sick, and not just a little, but a lot sick. Um, It was weirdly embarrassing. Um, And even with my friends, I was very quiet about it. Uh, My inner circle, I definitely told them probably within the first couple of weeks. But in terms of you know, even social media, I did not share anything. Um, I did finally, towards the end, when I was given, um, uh, you know, when I found out that I was in remission the first time, uh, is when I kind of opened up a little bit more about it. And so many people reached out and they said, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. But then also on, on the flip side, a lot of people reached out and said, oh my gosh, my mom, my sister, my cousin, my friend is going through this. Like, can I get you too connected or what can I do to help this person? So in a weird way, I sort of finally got over that shame um, and realized that it was a very powerful thing to sort of share your story and be able to help other people. That helped me in turn as well. Um, so yeah, so in terms of the guilt now, I think being being able to say I'm a survivor um, is obviously very powerful and I'm very grateful for that. Um, because a lot of people don't make it to this stage, unfortunately. Um, But I think the part that a lot of young cancer patients, or even not necessarily young cancer patients, anyone has sort of a, you have these very mixed feelings. You're almost split in two. um, Again, not sure if that makes sense, but one side of you is very happy and thankful and grateful to be alive and you've just had this crazy experience and you have a new perspective on life, especially as a young person in some ways, it's nice to be taught this life lesson so early and be able to live the rest of your life having this perspective um, and having that knowledge. 
Um, but on the flip side, you deal with a lot of side effects um, that you shouldn't hopefully have to deal with, especially at that age, you know, and um, those things can be really frustrating. So for example, um, these are obvious things, but you lose your hair when you're going through it. So you feel terrible about that. You don't feel attractive. You feel like people are staring at you. Um, for me, I lost all of my nails. Um, I now have like bone loss going through menopause, all these like super fun things that really the reality is they're not fun. They suck and they're frustrating. Um, and you don't feel great all the time. Um, so you, you feel strangely guilty about complaining about those things. But then on the other side, you, you feel like you should stop complaining and just shut up and again, be thankful that you survived and just went through this. Um, so it's sort of this constant battle between the two is the reality is you still feel sick and you still are dealing with all these side effects and not only physical ones, emotional ones, financial ones, a lot of things that you'll deal with for a long time. And then on the other side, you feel like, no, 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 I should stop feeling that way. And I should just be more grateful and thankful and just be, you know, excited about life, um, which you are, but yeah, so it's sort of this constant back and forth. Um, so yeah, I'm a Gemini, so maybe that's why I'm like split in two all the time. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's definitely something that I've talked to other people before, and it's it's very similar. And I think the outside world too, people who've never gone through this, feel like as soon as you're in remission, you're done. That's great. You can move on. You know, go back to your old life, but you'll never go back to that old life again. Unfortunately, it will always be changed for good and for bad. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's definitely something that I still struggle with to this day for sure. And have you ever had people like in your own life kind of like say these things to you that like, oh, but it's over or like, oh, you should be happy that things worked out, that you're in remission. Have you had to have those conversations with people? I have, um, I've heard it and I kind of just take it in and don't really speak up about it, which maybe I should. Um, but I don't, I try to not complain to people who have never gone through it. Whereas with my support group or even my friends at work who've gone through it, they understand when I say these things. Um, but to people who haven't gone through it, I try to not talk about it too much. Um, but yeah, I remember one person at work, I remember him once saying, I forget what I was super sick, um, so I've had to get all my vaccinations again. It takes about a year until you can get some of your normal vaccines. And within that year, though, even a tiny cold would get me super sick to the point where I ended up with pneumonia twice. Um, and I remember coming back into work and just saying, you know, I'm so sorry I ended up with this. Like, this is so frustrating. And he's like, yeah, but you're all good, so it's fine. Like, tomorrow you're going to be okay, and that's okay, and whatever. Um and just sort of dismissed it. And I I remember having a thought of, I get it. I understand where he's coming from, but he has no idea what it actually feels to go through that. Um, same thing when scans come up. You know, you can tell your friends or your family that you're nervous and they'll just respond, but of course it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And you're like, well, you've never had a bad scan. You don't know that the impossible can happen. Um, and I never really had symptoms. So uh, you never know. So yeah, people mean well. Um, I don't think that there's anything bad or malicious, but I think unless you've really gone through it, you can't really relate to those feelings. 
Okay, so just as a, as a final question, what would you tell someone, what advice would you give to someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer? Sure. Um, I would say that I think everybody is different and reacts differently. So I think that's something that is important, um, that you really need to try to figure out how to listen to your own sort of inner voice or inner guidance and your gut instinct, um, because you're going to have a lot of people coming out of the woodwork that um, want to help you and want to offer advice or might send you articles of something that they've read that may have worked or whatnot. Um, But I think it's really important that you try to listen to yourself and figure out what makes you the most comfortable and go with that plan. Um, That was difficult for me at the beginning because I had so many people around me giving me, you know, not necessarily advice, but telling me ideas and talking about it. And they meant well, um, but it also confuses you a little bit as to what do I need to do to get better. Um, Yeah, I would say that. Secondly, I would say you have to be your strongest advocate. Um, Don't be afraid to speak up, even if you're surrounded by, you know, super doctors and that are speaking in medical terms and whatnot. If you have a question, stop and ask. Don't be afraid. Um, For me, by doing that, I probably annoyed my doctors at times. Uh, My most recent doctor at Sloan Kettering would always make fun of me because towards the end of my session, I would have a list of questions and articles or um, studies that I had printed out and brought with me. Um, But I think for me personally, that gave me back a little bit of that sort of Um, power that you feel like you lose going through cancer. Um, So even if, you know, whatever it is that you're asking about may lead to nowhere or not be the right thing for you, at least asking that question and knowing the answer is reassuring that you're on the right path. Um, So for me, that was helpful. Um, And just speaking up and yeah, asking for second opinions, third opinions, whatever it is that you need. One last thing I would say too is in my particular situation, I would have not only done the second opinion at the beginning of my treatment and diagnosis, diagnosis, uh, but also towards the end uh, when I was initially told I was in remission, I would, if I could, go back and ask for a second opinion at a different hospital. Um, not that I didn't trust them in any way, but I think that would have they say that I would have caught my relapse a lot sooner had we done that. Um, And that's something that people do not really talk about is they say, get the second opinion at the beginning, but nobody talks about it at the end either. And now I still do that. Every time I get a scan, I ask for a CD copy and go to another hospital and get, just have them read it and verify the information. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. Thanks for having me. I hope it was helpful. Um, But yeah, thank you so, so much. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Cancer Out Loud, the Cancer Care Podcast. Cancer Care is the leading national nonprofit organization providing free professional support services, including counseling, support groups, educational resources, and financial assistance to anyone affected by cancer. You can visit us online at cancercare.org or call our toll-free Hope line at 1-800-813-HOPE to speak with a master's prepared oncology social worker.